Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Hey, and happy Monday, everybody. Steve Schultz here with Elijah Streams. It is the 5th of February, 2024. We're in month two already, if you can believe it. Hope you're having a great February start. Uh, these are really, really exciting times. I'm being honest with you when I say I've never been this excited to be alive. There is so much happening and about to happen, and this year, 2024, is going to just be epic. So thanks for joining us. A uh, quick uh, announcement. Tomorrow, our guest is Eric Metaxas, who is a very, very well-known podcaster in the Christian world. Uh, and it was interesting when I, we, he's going to be on tomorrow at, at, and oh, let me just say this quickly. He's going to be on at 10 a.m. Pacific instead of 11. So you're going to want to get on one hour early. If you miss that, not a big deal because you can play it back, you know, and I, we only have a 45 minutes with him because he's on a tight schedule. So, uh, but you don't want to mix, miss Eric Metaxas. I, I found out as we were given the opportunity to invite him is that he had been very well aware of the Elijah list or Elijah streams, probably maybe even the Elijah list. So um, always am excited when someone can come on that doesn't normally uh, is not normally seen as being part of this kind of a stream. And yet we found out that he he's a, a regular, I believe the, what I, what it came back to me is that he's watched us a number of times. So anyway, super excited about Eric Metaxas tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific. So don't, don't miss it. I have a, a very interesting thing now. I'm, this is part two. Remember, I, I, it's actually, one could say part three. Part one was I gave a word about um, someone is out there saying, uh, I don't, how can I believe God for all the healing that I need when I can't hardly believe him for my big toe to be healed? And, and it was a really clear word. It was so odd. And God will give me a lot of funny words like that. And I'll go, I don't know why. This won't leave me. I kept trying to shake it off. That's how one of the ways you know it's from God. They say, oh, I got this picture. And they're looking at their big toe or they're thinking about their big toe. So then uh, a, a woman by the name of Tracy wrote in and said, that was for me. And we showed, we read her email uh, or most of it. I think it was kind of the whole thing about how that was the exact, she had used the word verbatim. Those were the words she had used. Well, uh, over the weekend, I got another one. So this is part two. Um, that was Tracy. Now, this is funny. This is just sort of God. This is Tracy and Tracy saying, this is for me. And now Stacy wrote and she said, this word is for me, which is just the way it works and the way it's supposed to work. Sometimes if God gives you a gives a very specific word, that's very specific word is meant for two or three specific people. So you think, well, that's not logical, Steve. But yes, it is. He knows that one word will fit a couple or three people. It's funny how he chose the people, uh, Stacy and Tracy. That's just the kind of poetic thing that God would do. I'm going to read. This is a really long one. I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs. She says, I'm so excited to let you know how God used you to heal my big toe. About three weeks ago, I started having a pain in my big toe. The bone ached, and every day the pain would spread further until it hurt from my big toe to the top of my shin. Later, I was watching Elijah streams like I do pretty much every day. It was the recording of you and Donna Rigney, which aired on Monday, January 15, 2024. When you asked her to pray, when you asked her to pray, I said out loud, Okay, God, I want you to heal this. And so, and so I will know without a doubt that the healing is for me. 
I want Donna to say, God is healing someone's big toe. For whatever reason, God used you instead of Donna, and I'm thrilled and thankful for my toe. Foot and shin has not hurt since. God is so loving and amazing. Stacy, isn't that amazing? So that's just the humor of God. Not only does he pick Stacy and Tracy, uh, and not only does it seem exactly for them, but he'll use the humor like he, she told God exactly what she wanted. Donna to say, and God says, oh, I'll answer that, but I'll answer it. Steve will be talking to Donna, but it'll come out of his mouth. So uh, that kind of thing is pretty funny to me. Um, and I love that aspect of God. And I'm I'm getting blessed as part of this because I'm I sat back that day and thought, man, do I give this word? This is a stupid sounding word. Uh, but I gave it. And so it's fun. I wanted to share that with you also. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and we have a, a calendar ad we're going to talk about. It's a 30 second ad and then a, a well spot. We're going to run those together. So here we go with that. Have you ever been curious to follow the year according to the Jewish calendar? Introducing the Elijah Streams, Jerusalem, then and now 16-month Hebrew heritage calendar. Track your year in this Hebraic calendar featuring dates in both the Jewish and Gregorian calendar systems, weekly Torah and holiday readings, messianic prophecies and their fulfillments in the New Testament, beautiful photos of the Holy Land, and Hebrew learning materials made in Israel. Get yours today at ElijahShopper.com. Water is an essential to life. What if it just disappeared? In Uganda, many don't have access to clean, safe water. Every 15 seconds, a child dies from water-related diseases. Together, we will change that by continuing to provide clean water wells. Donate online at ElijahStreams.com slash donate. Or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. All right, I think we're caught up. It's gonna, we're going to bring on Johnny with his daughter, Justice Enloe Keel, or Justice Keel Enloe, let her say the best way. We, we kind of supported her in her book, brand new book. We're going to bring her on with Johnny and talk about that just for a couple minutes. So here we go. 1349 hours declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. Well, hello to Johnny and Justice. Good to see you all. I got to, I got to, Justice, I got to tell you this now, this, <laughs> this is your Miss Tennessee. I think we've had it for about oh, five years it. now. Is that about how long it's been? Four years. And um, Doreen and I, honestly, I went and took it off the mirror today. It's been on our mirror. Oh. Uh, we walk by it every single day. It's just kind of felt honored to have it because you did a show with us, uh, Elijah Streams, and you gave that to us on that day. So it was, it was very, very cool. And we're so proud of you and to watch you do that. And now you've you've uh, written your first of many books, I'm sure. Uh, talk, Justice, about how your book did. Uh, oh, there it is. What's it called again? Uh, Feminist to Feminine, Reclaiming okay. the Value of Womanhood in God's Story. Nice. Uh, well, talk about how, how it went so far with the sales. 
Yeah. First of all, thank you so much. Um, when I watched you guys talking about my book last time, I just that made me so emotional. It was so sweet all that you guys were saying, and um, and just your words, Steve, were were so wonderful. So thanks to all of you guys. I was I'm I made it as the bestseller in a couple different new release categories on Amazon, which is awesome. One of them being feminist theory, which was all kinds of very different other books beside my book and I was at the top so that was really cool um and I think a couple other um lists like endometriosis and marriage books and things like that which is really fun because it's not I, I wouldn't have you know um classified it as just any of those things but it's fun to see where the Lord is highlighting it. <laughs> well, well that's good so they cut they classified you as like a bestseller in that and we won't be given numbers right now, but we did learn that they, they topped out and then the, they were sold. So we're going to tell people again about where to, where to get this book. And it, this time, a simpler thing, instead of going to Amazon, go straight to Justice Keel, Justice, K-U-E-H-L.com. I want them to get that book. Uh, they probably got stopped out trying to get it because Amazon then closes it when when they sell everything that they had in their inventory. Whereas you don't have have that situation. You're not going to run out like that. No, so. we we fixed the problem, so that should not be happening again. But um, so it was a little bit of a problem, but also I'm very very thankful for that problem because all of you guys went and purchased the book, and that was awesome. Um, and thankfully, what never sold out, because these are digital copies, you can always get a Kindle copy, you can always get Audible. I personally love audiobooks, so that's oh, well, like I do too. one way to consume books. Um, and so that was really fun. I got to actually record myself reading the book. So I got to make sure that I emphasized the parts that you know I wanted to emphasize and all of that, instead of having a voice actor. So that was really cool. That's very cool. I want to ask you a couple questions about that. What? Um... Okay, how long, how many months or years did, were you working on this book? So indirectly, probably my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Um, intentionally, it was about a 10-month process, and it was basically during the entire pregnancy with my son. Um, and I literally finished the book between contractions while I was in labor, <laughs> which wow. is crazy uh i the deadline was the next day and so i was like okay apparently the deadline is today because i think the baby's coming today so chris uh, my husband was sitting helping me right between contractions and i would take a break and then wow. try it. I was like, okay, <laughs> it's done um, so it kind of felt like two babies in one day <laughs> that's amazing now i gotta add did you ever uh that would be hard during that 10-month process did you ever want to throw the baby not the baby you're literal did you ever want to throw this book out for a while and said i just not meant to write a book or was it smooth sailing or what um probably some of all the different feelings it was very intimidating um i went into it not thinking that i was writing a full book i was originally just trying to write almost like a little devotional or like a coffee table book that would be um, just sort of my a replacement for a feminist coffee table book someone had gifted me something that was a, essentially a feminist propaganda coffee table book and I was like I could redo this this is but like with godly identity instead of feminism and so um, that was what I set out to do and then my literary agency was like this needs to be a full book and I was like a full book wow. I don't know full book um, so my mom took me away to Florida for about a week and a half and I had already written a significant portion before then, but 
that's where I just sat. And I think I wrote 50,000 words in that one. Whoa, now that's a lot of words. Just, just wrote from the moment I woke up till I went to sleep. Um, so that that's where I really got the bulk of it done was that week and a half. Now, I, uh, I want to ask you just one more about whether the question would be, what's the single biggest lesson you learned or what was the hardest lesson you learned writing this? So say someone are, are listening to Justice and they've always wanted to write their book and they have some opportunities to do. What would you say to those people? What lessons did you learn that you would love to pass on at this moment? So it's kind of a, a combination of two things. One is the process afterwards is actually very difficult because you have written it and now it's being edited and you're just sitting there for almost a year, you know, Whoa. all that process is happening. And it's really hard not to question yourself, not to freak out over all the little things that you go back and notice. You're like, Oh, I shouldn't have said it that way. Mm -hmm. um, so that happens in during the editing process, at least for me, but it also happened during the writing process where I would, you know, especially that one week and a half where I wrote the majority of the book, there was so much that I just like, it just was flowing from my heart. And that's a really vulnerable process to just, you know, all the things that God has been speaking to and working in your life for years to just blah, put it all out there. It's so vulnerable. And so it's just a process. You really have to surrender it to the Lord and just trust that God is going to, you know, distract from the things that need to be hidden away, the things that are not from him. And then he's going to highlight what he's really wanting to say, because that's really my heart with it. I don't want, um, I don't want to just get people to think how I think about feminism. I don't want people to think how I think about our identity as women. I, I want this to be an opportunity for the Lord to encounter people in their identity to speak to them. This is who you are as a woman. This is how I designed you to be. And so I hope that my book is just a vehicle of that rather than being, um, Oh, cool. Now I know what justice thinks about X, Y, Z. Good. Well, that's really, really good. That's very helpful. I, I mean, I've gotten a lot from that already. You know, my yeah. book, I only wrote one book and it's, it was 40,000 words. That's why I know if you really, if you wrote 50,000, <laughs> I don't know if that was literal, but I mean, I wrote 40,000. <laughs> it took me a few years to get it done on and off. When I actually did the writing, it probably was more intense, Yeah, uh, you know, but then there's those gaps in between. And the, I understand what you're saying about the vulnerability. And then the editing comes up and, you know, you said it the way you want to say it. And some editor comes along and wants to reword your sentence yes. or your emphasis. I want, you know, I even tell my, my staff now when I write something and I'll, I will find myself saying, don't change my grammar. Don't change. You know, if I want to start a <laughs> sentence with the word and I'm going to start a sentence with the word and. And I would, that's, those are where my rules don't change it. If I want to start with a conjunction, but this is because I've seen writers that, that broke that rule and their writing was much easier to follow. So I, so I'm, if I wrote my second book, I'd stick with that. I'd say, don't edit my grammar unless it's really wrong. You know, so if I want to write a paragraph, that's three words. I want it because so, I want it to float out there. So people, anyway, that's what. No, well, I'm with you. I think I, I'll feel a little bit more freedom to do that with next books, God willing. Now, was this then, did, what publisher published this or was it self-published? Which was it's it? It's Store 7, so through my parents' um, ministry. And yeah. I have a literary agent. So they kind of do a lot of the legwork, which is so wonderful, editing and um, the Amazon part of it. But it's published through Store 7. 
Sounds good. Okay, justicekeel.com. Yeah. Folks, go ahead. I know a bunch of you tried to get this book. Please go there today and get it now. Let's bless Justice with a uh, you, so you going to say something, Johnny? Yeah, let me mention something real quick as yeah. to what her book's about. First of all, it is brilliant, brilliantly written. And um, I was, uh, you know, I was amazed, actually. But this tells, I'm going to read just a few sentences that tell yeah. for someone wondering, what is this book about? Justice early on, this like covered it as good as anything. As I competed in pageants, I was a huge defender of the feminist message. With the exception of abortion, I was almost in complete harmony with the political messaging of the modern women's movement. Smashing the patriarchy and ensuring women were equally represented in every profession became important missions for me. When I became a successful, quote, young woman and felt betrayed by the very movement I had championed, I quickly became disenchanted with the hypocrisy of modern feminism. So that gives you an idea of the directions it will roll out. But it is justice really did what she just said is uh, she's not like trying to force her thoughts and where she's at, because it is very um, we'll say controversial, the thinking of what part is women empowerment, what part is feminism, et cetera, et cetera. And she just does an amazing job of, you know, trying to tell the ditches on either side of the argument and keeping you uh, uh, in the middle. And then she has at the end of every chapter kind of discussion points where you can fill it in. And it they're really like is a tool for self journaling huh? talks. So yeah, I'm hoping to bring people along and encounter. But if I could say quickly kind of who this book is for, I tried to write it in a way that it does not matter who you are, what walk of life you're in, your age, uh, your race, none of that, like your political affiliation. Um, it's for women. So if you're a woman, I think you'll get something out of it. You know, I tried to um, specifically market it towards young women because I think it's so important. Like if I had could have gotten this message in my life when I was in my late teens, early 20s, it would have been amazing because it's about finding your identity and purpose as a woman. Um, and God versus in what the world is trying to tell us we need to be doing. And so it kind of pulls you out of the rat race before it gets started, but it's never too late to get out of the rat race. Um, and so even if you're not that person, all of you know, a young woman, somebody who would probably be um, hopefully encouraged and blessed by the book. And so that's, that's really who it's for. And um, I've been getting some good uh, reports back from people who've been reading the book now. And so it's really, really exciting to hear nice. it's touching people's hearts and makes it all worth it. So. Now, I think I understood that you're going to be on Elijah Fire. Is that this week? Yes, on Wednesday. On Wednesday. So those of you, a lot of you watching have never been to Elijah Fire, but it's on, I should I should have been ready for the time period. But what, what time of day is it going to be on? Oh, man, I should know. 2 PM. Oh, no. there it is. It's 2 p.m. Pacific. It's live. Wednesday, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, Jeff. He was right there, ready to do that. Yeah, he was. That was good. That was good. I can't even type that fast. It was there, man. <laughs> just just ask for the time, Steve. It's, it'll be there. Justice, God bless you. I'm very proud of you. Doreen and I are very proud of you, but this whole our whole staff is very proud of you, and obviously dad and mom are very proud of you. So <laughs> have a great day. We'll let you go, and we'll, cut, we'll keep going with John here. See you later. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. All right, Johnny, here we go. Well, that You know, you must be a proud, proud papa. I am. And, you know, it's um, it's just uh, wonderful to see how the Lord's moving her forward and, and her call. And But we all have the privilege of watching our kids go through um, their processes. You know, there is when she talks about 
it wasn't that many years ago. She's embracing uh, kind of, we would say, wokeism and feminism in that context. Uh, but she had to see it for herself and she had to see how it was hijacking. Do you um, remember, Johnny, if she had a dividing line? Was there a moment in time where she it just shifted everything? I should have asked her that. but Or was it just a real gradual? That's a good question for them to ask her on Elijah Fire. I'm pretty sure she'll say it was a piece at a time. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. She was listening to different podcasters that were kind of, um, we'll say, exposing the hypocrisies of feminism. And so it had her rethink different things and then tell who actually had the original thoughts that she considered women empowering. And it wasn't really about empowering women. It was disempowering men, disempowering oh, family. Wow. And so once she fully saw the agenda, which took a little bit because it's like the flashlight just went on the whole thing. She was like, whoa. And um, so then, you know, finding the balance, being aware that the church and Christianity has often suppressed women as well. And so like she tries to stay. Uh, she didn't revert. She, being feminine isn't fundamentalism. And so she didn't go go that far because some like, OK, the opposite of feminist is being fundamentalist. No, it's it's not that. So there's a lot to navigate, uh, even even once you find the agenda there, because the church hasn't been really good at properly empowering women. In fact, you know, they have used the scripture to, to disempower women. And so she has processed that as well. So she kind of there was church uh, narrative wasn't so good for women. The feminist narrative wasn't for women. So it just like, how do we find out what is what is God's view on it? So it's all a journey process, but she, she's really, really good at that uh, at processing that. Her journey uh, it was, is very impressive. Anyway. Awesome. Well, she's so she's uh, I mean, all of your daughters are, you, you know, you had four, four of them, right? Four daughters. Yes. And uh, the one that's walking maybe the least because she, she's working on her testimony. Right. Uh, but we met her, too, in your house and dream absolutely fell in love with that one um promise is her name right That's and she just almost wanted to weep she felt the love of god so strongly on promise she just couldn't stop talking about it. that's not like something D- dream just does all the time and in fact i don't think i've ever seen her do that and all of a sudden she was enveloped with the love of god towards promise and so it's amazing what what uh, god is doing with your daughters all four of them so amen Amen. Well, you've got some things on your plate here, so I'm going to just turn it over to you. And I don't think I have. Do I have notes? I probably do somewhere. I no, go ahead. I just I think I just need to look at the title with you. Yeah. So I think the title we gave is The Path of Twice as Much. All right. And it's um, there's going to be just a really significant revelation come from today. And that's the point. If nothing else is remembered, the significant revelation, and I'll, I'll state it a couple of times so it's not lost. And, um, you know, this is the year of the open doors. And so this is very relevant for us and for each and every one. I think you'll, every one of you will find what we're going to talk about very relevant because these open doors, um, there is a key to getting through these open doors. And we're going to, we're going to find it um, today. And uh, there's, there are, there is, uh, so many things to talk about, as you mentioned, uh, Steve, what an exciting time, um, uh, you know, and, and we're not even going into that for, for the for the time that, yeah. it, that it would take. But it really is, um, you know, 
uh, I wrote a book at the beginning of COVID, the end of the world as we know it. We really are in the end of the world as we know it. And it's what the Lord spoke to me the, the minute he showed me that he was putting Trump in. He says, your nation will be known as before Trump and after Trump. The whole world will be known as before Trump and after Trump. And I, I spoke that as far back as 2016. And um, and we're seeing that. And so but for something to, to be to be marked that strongly, the process is intense. So that connects to our message today. Yeah. And the intensity of process is something that, that we're going to extract the revelation from the book of Job. And uh, that's where the Lord just took me. Generally, what I share out of, well, sometimes the Lord initiates with a, a word to me or a dream. And then sometimes just in my own reading, uh, he takes me somewhere. So he took me in depth and had me read Job in two different versions and, and different things like that. Another thing I'm, I'm not going to talk about right now, but we really could. You know, the Super Bowl is going to be the same two teams that were in there four years ago. Oh, and wow. the City Chiefs, and there's very very much significance to that. San Francisco uh, 49ers. And um, I already have notes uh, for that just on the preliminaries, but these are the two two teams that make a lot of sense prophetically. And so there's going to be a great message uh, from the Super Bowl coming up from that. But let's get right into, for, for time's sake, the path of twice as much. So where does that come from? Well, I'm going to uh, have us open to, and we're going to read this time in the NLT, New Living Translation. Sometimes I usually read the New King James Version, but it's um, Job chapter 42. And I'm going to read the last few verses um, of the chapter at 10 through 10 through 16. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. Mm. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Reminding you the name of the program. Uh, the working title, The Path of Twice as Much. And um, and the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers and sisters and former friends, because they had all left him while he was testing, came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. Now, isn't that wow. statement? Yeah. Because of all the trials. Oh, oh man, there goes a million sermons. I can't wait to hear you talk about that, by the way. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Because no. of all the trials the Lord had brought against him, and each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima, the second Kezia, the third Karen Hapuk. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into uh, his will along with their brothers. There was something unique there. There was inheritance for daughters. So. All those numbers of sheep, camels, oxen, donkeys, etc., are all exactly double what is listed in Job chapter 1. But then what was different is there is now inheritance for daughters. Uh, of course, that's um, very apropos after having my daughter on here as well. And it says, And Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long full life. So that's the end of the game. So there is twice as much. He got on the path of twice as much. 
and was able to release inheritance for four generations from what the Lord did for him. And so this is, again, very relevant to us in this year of the open door, the open doors. And it's amazing because I've done the deep dive. I think I even did several months ago, Steve, with us, uh, something on the book of Job, some aspects of it. But there's a part of it, the mystery, and the reason I, I have returned over and over to Job is because what really was God going after in Job? What what was the point? What was, and, and I, I in past shared, uh, not necessarily here, but just when we were pastoring, I would share different things. One of the things Job says late, late in the book is, I had heard of you before, but now I see you and I repent wow. in dust and ashes. And so there's a whole truth there. I had heard of you, but I see you and I repent in, in dust and ashes and say, so, okay, the Lord wanted to upgrade him from just being hearing to a seeing. And so there's a good message there, yeah. but it wasn't completely satisfying. And it really hit me pretty, pretty significantly this time when I, when I found the key, what really was the Lord looking for? So we're going to get to that real soon, but let's start as I don't think there's anybody who has never heard of Job, but just in case, just we want to get the storyline and then hit these points. The storyline begins in Job chapter one. And we look at verse eight, who initiates this thing. So we know the end game. The Lord's going to take him to twice as much. And so that's what he that's what he wanted to do. But how did this start? Verse eight, of Job one. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And then the Lord, you know, verse 12. All right, you may test him, says the Lord, because Satan says, well, no wonder. You just bless him and everything goes. Well, I'll read that. Actually, verse nine, Satan replied to the Lord. Yes, but Job is, has good reason to fear God. You always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Hmm. And just the idea, it's kind of probably a scary concept, just the idea that God and Satan could have be having conversations about us. And where the Lord could be uh, bragging about us um, to Satan, but in doing so, inviting him to shake us or refine us to the next level is a little bit of a, um, a you know unnerving concept, um, we'll say. And so there is a first level of test, but you know Job passes in flying uh, flying colors. He's like the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the Lord calls Satan in again and says, have you considered this is in and now in uh, chapter two? Um, he in, in verse, let's see, where does he said um, verse three? Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you urge me to harm him without cause. And so then Satan, well, skin to skin, you give him the next level test, and this is not going to be uh, so much. So the initiation of all this is is very important. And like begin thinking on what was God's objectives? Was God's objective to, um, uh, you know, to rub something in Satan's face 
and say like, you know, you were disobedient, but I have an obedient son. No, if, when we get the whole, I just break the, the, you know, the suspense of it all. He really loves Job so much and he has seen his righteousness. And again, we don't want to think he was just slightly righteous. If, if you don't really go in depth in the book of Job, you can say, ah, the, well, the Lord wanted to cure him of self-righteousness. And it's like, this guy was the most righteous man in all the earth. And yet the Lord said, I, you know, I really want to give him the pathway of double, but I have something in him that still needs to be dealt with. So this is what we want to hit upon today. And it's going to be, again, a relevant and applicable for us. And then what he struggled with will be something uh, we struggle with uh, ourselves. So number so we want to, uh, in order to save time, you know, I could read, there's like a whole chapter. There, it, he, he actually fits it in many of his chapter. Job recites his righteousness. You know, his friends come, his friends that don't do much comforting. Yeah. The fourth and youngest one did good. And he's asking them to help him find out why God's blessing is not on him. Why does the enemy have all this access to him? Why, you know, he lost, we, we didn't even go, you know, he lost his wife, his kids. Uh, honestly, this is important enough. I need to read that from verse, from chapter one, right after the Lord said, Satan, test him. I feel like the Holy Spirit said, take the time to do this because there's going to be those who, who find themselves uh, finding some level of identification, even though yeah. when you hear it all, you're going to go, oh, wow, it never went that bad. So verse 13 of one. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking. A third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. And while he's still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept them from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, and you know, but in all that, it said that that was the first test, and he didn't even sin after the magnitude of that attack. He so had already a deep relationship with the Lord that he was able to say, "The Lord gives, the Lord takes away." He has a right to do that. You're like, wow, and I. You know, I really don't know anybody. I know a lot of people who've gone through a lot of testing, never something that's just because that was for boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It took all his provision. It took everything and it took his family. And then you read into it. Then he's made fun of. He's mocked. And and he'll tell this. He'll like, I used to come and I, they used to bow to me like a king. And they used to put me in the honorable places and say good things. Now they're mocking at me. Now they're laughing at me. And he, and he just goes into all kinds of various ways of describing um, uh, both how bad things have become for him. But then as his friends come and they're trying to tell him his, his sin and they're wrong over and over again, he 
he goes into the detail. He's like, I honor God. I'm attentive to him. I daily, he didn't just daily offer sacrifices for himself and do his devotional due diligence. He, he did sacrifices on behalf of his children. He said in case they had hurt the Lord. In case and he's, not, he's not being arrogant or prideful. He's just listing what is a clear known fact to himself and everybody else, right? There was no... It's not self-righteous because the yeah. Lord would say Job self-righteous. The Lord said he is the most righteous man on the planet. Yeah. And and so, you know, he talks about how he provided for his family. He prays for their sins to be covered. He gives to the poor. He tells over and over the settings of how he's cared for the poor, the needy. They want to see him because he's there and he doesn't close his eyes to them. He's compassionate. He's compassionate from the heart. Uh, he does not steal. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't backbite. Wow. And, and and again, the point, the Lord showcased him to Satan, said, you see this? Satan would have said, well, he's a hypocrite. He's a this. Satan had nothing to say about his behavior. He just says, well, you're just treating him so nice. And and so out of that, you know, we have this uh, this dynamic that just continues where he's dialoguing and, and his friends are, are, you know, allegedly comforting him. But they kind of have the almost Christianity status quo things. Well, you must have done something. If you're if you're under attack, if you're under assault, it's because you left the enemy an open door. Can we all imagine us telling well, each I other? I mean, haven't we all been accused of that <laughs> for years, right? Decades yes. when we had stroke. I mean, it's such a common thing. Wow. And so let's go to uh, Job chapter 21, because we want to make sure we're really understanding this part of his story before we get to this golden key of, of, of revelation and um, verse, this is Job now responding his seventh speech. He's responding to one of the friends so far. So then Job spoke again, listen closely to what I'm saying. That's one consolation you can give me. Bear with me and let me speak. After I've spoken, you may resume mocking me. My complaint is with God, not with people. I have good reason to be so impatient. Look at me and be stunned. Put your hand over your mouth and shock. When I think about what I'm saying, I shudder. My body trembles. And then he says, why do the wicked prosper? Growing old and powerful. They live to see their children grow up and settle down. And they enjoy their grandchildren. Their homes are safe from every fear. And God does not punish them. Now, just stop there for a moment, because there's an aspect of this. In this awakening of the last two or three years, it's been a painful one. I not only have heard that, I've thought that in different ways. You hear mm-hmm. about, just make the connection, the deep yeah. state, what you put the Rothschilds, Rockefeller, how do they continue generation after generation to, in quote, prosper? And they seem to be getting away with it. Where is justice? Is this not what we'll say, what the patriots continually say? Believers and Christians who have awakened is like, where is your justice? How is this right? How uh, how are you allowing me to go through trials and the wicked? That's why he said, I have a complaint with God. Yeah. And I will tell you, um, particularly it's like three week, uh, three years ago, the COVID year was discovery of so many things and the discovery of the depths of the human trafficking and everything else. Yeah. And he had a complaint with God. And I, I had a complaint with God. I had to go with him and say, I'm sorry, I need to complain about this. I don't understand how you can allow this. You yeah. know? And I'm sure 
again. Me too. Me too. <laughs> just, and we could still do that and we can get yeah. stuck there. And, and, and so that's why this is very key uh, for all of us. And this is an opportunity that part of even the season we're going through as believers, the body of Christ, his beloved ones, if you know you're, you've been a friend of God and he loves you. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. And you're like, uh, you know, what's going on here? Like, what if what if he is looking to put us on the path of double, of twice as much? And he's going after something we didn't even know was there. Satan couldn't accuse him of sin because it wasn't actually sin. There was just a a soul venom that is going to be discovered in this in this process. And we're going to make that clear in, in, in just a moment as we read a few more scriptures. Uh, Job chapter 23 and verses 1 through 3. Job, again, this is he's still responding to one of his friends. My complaint today is still a bitter one, and I try hard not to groan aloud. If I only, if only I knew where to find God, I would go to his court. He wanted to go to the courts of heaven and get something uh, uh, clarified. I would lay out my case and present my arguments and I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. And, you know, so we're just giving you an idea of the depth of what he was experiencing and what he was going through. Look at chapter 24, the first Uh, Two verses. Why doesn't the Almighty bring the wicked to judgment? Why must the godly wait for him in vain? Uh, You know, if we skim through even right after the verse two, evil people steal land by moving the boundary markers. They steal livestock. They put them in their own pastures. They take the orphan's donkey. They demand the widow's ox. The poor are pushed off the path. The needy must hide for safety. And, you know, the verse nine, the wicked snatch a widow's child from her breast, taking the baby as security for a loan. The poor must go about naked without any clothing. They harvest food for others while they themselves are starving. Verse 12, the groans of the dying rise from the city and the wounded cry for help. Yet God ignores their moaning like he's making he's going into making he's getting bolder and bolder in his accusations of the Lord. He's saying uh, God is ignoring their moaning. This is his, he thinks he's being honest, but he's really crossed a line that we'll um, look at in in just a moment more. So um, we get to, you know, the three, the the three friends, really, we find out later at the end, the Lord tells them he is not happy at all with their counsel to Job and they missed it. And it was the youngest one who waited to the end, Elihu, that begins to get on the right right track. And that's where we want to uh, connect w- with our story and and begin to hear what is what does he do? How does he begin to be the bridge towards Job getting to the breakthrough he needs to? And so let's look at um, Job chapter 34. And let's, um, I'm going to read verse 33. This is, this is just a powerful verse. This is, this is a good one. Uh, and again, I'm reading the NLT. This is him talking to Job. Must God tailor his justice to your demands? 
and and we're just going to stop on 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 that one. That's Must. the young, that's the youngest whippersnapper who came up with that. Because right. Joe is going on and saying in what looks yeah. like a reasonable approach, he's talking about it just like we would. It's like must right. God tailor his justice to your demands, and and so it, that you know all the verses around it go into that, but sometimes you take away from the power of a verse by reading too much around it. So that's just one to, to be, to be aware of Job was trying to tailor God's justice to his demands, his way of seeing justice. And like, it wasn't happening the way he thought both. It was unfair. His treatment being as righteous as he was, it was unfair how these evil ones and even those mocking him were in quote, he thought prospering in his view, they were prospering in his view. God um, was was ignoring, and there's some really uh, in in one point. There's a really funny. I think the funniest passage of Job we're going to come to soon. It'll be humorous and sad all at the same time. And but I'm going to just read right through chapter 35, verses 13 and 14. This is still Elihu speaking to him, to Job. But it is wrong to say God doesn't listen. Why is he saying that? Because that has been Job's accusation that God's not listening. To say the Almighty isn't concerned, you say you can't see him, but he will bring justice if you will only wait. Now, that's a a word for all of us even right now. You say you can't see him, but he will bring justice if you will only wait. Hmm. So we want to say that for us in our processes where we're going through even um, right now. Chapter 36, verses 13 and 14. For the godless are full of resentment. Even when he punishes them, they refuse to cry out to him for help. They die when they are young after wasting their lives in immoral living. What I do realize right now is that I actually wrote the wrong verse there, but it still has its own truth there. So I'm not even going to comment on that. And I have so many verses. I'm going to go to the next one. 36, 1, 2, and 3. Elihu continued, let me go on and I will show you the truth, for I have not finished defending God. I want you to know Elihu is here defending God to Job. I will present profound arguments for the righteousness of my creator. I am telling you nothing but the truth, for I am a man of great knowledge. This is and still a young guy. This is still the young, young guy. Verse wow. five. God is mighty, but he does not despise anyone. Why is Elihu saying that? Because Job has declared that God despises people. And he's like, that's you have falsely accused. You have falsely accused God. He is mighty in both power and understanding. Because Job has accused the opposite of that. He does not let the wicked live, but gives justice to the afflicted. Let me read that one again, because it sounds like what Job, many of us would say, yeah, it looks that way. And Elihu said, it may look that way, but it's, that's a lie. He does not let the wicked live, because Job said over and over, he lets the wicked live. He he does not, but gives justice to the afflicted. Verse 7, he never takes his eyes off the innocent. Job had averred, had avowed, had accused that his eyes were not looking at the innocent. So there's a restoring of who God is that's taking place with Elihu, that's why his, what he writes is so important to us even now. He never takes his eyes off the innocent. That's something for us to be aware of. Everything we consider, whatever you find out about human trafficking, whatever you find out about the tunnels, whatever you find out about anything yeah. of slaves being formed, 
He never takes his eyes off the innocent, but he sets them on thrones with kings and exalts them forever. And, you know, if they're bound in chains and caught up in a web of trouble, he comes is um, what is being uh, said there. And then um, it's five, six, seven, eleven. Uh, if they li- oh, verse 11, if they listen and obey God, they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. All their years will be pleasant. OK, that verse 11. See, we sing no, there's contradictions. Not really like that. Yeah, that's what we're promised. But it really, and Elihu says, no, the original the original thing you heard is true about God. If they listen and obey God, they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. Despite what you're living, the contradiction you're living through, Job, this is the truth about God. All their years will be pleasant. He's like, no, that's still truth. Don't don't start making up a different truth. He, he, can you clarify? Uh, Elihu saying, still saying of the righteous, all their all their years will be pleasant. Yeah, it wasn't He's, on screen. There you go. Wow. Yes. He says, if they listen and obey God, they will be blessed with prosperity throughout their lives. All their years will be pleasant. Okay. After Job said, that's not what I found. I found that where we have these, this other reality. So it's just interesting, this thing uh, going on. Um, and so, and that's where we read for the godless are full of resentment. Cause even when he punishes them, they refuse to cry out uh, for him to help for help. And then, um, uh, Verse 15 of Job 36, but by means of their suffering, he rescues those who suffer, for he gets their attention through adversity. Now, that's worth a whole um, program on all by itself, uh, Steve. But this uh-huh. verse 16, God is leading you away from danger, Job, to a place free from distress. He is setting your table with the best food. Now, is this not amazing? The reality, he's lost his friends, his wealth, his family, his everything. And Elihu, after correcting his character assassination of the Lord, further says, if you knew what was really going on here, Job, he's leading you away from danger, Job, to a place free from distress. He is setting your table with the best food. But you... Verse 17. Yes, Steve. But you are obsessed with whether the godless will be judged. Don't worry. Judgment and justice will be upheld. Worth revisiting those two. Man, what a wise young man. We don't know his actual age, do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. He waited. Yeah, he, man, and he, you can just feel the wisdom of God. Can you feel the anointing on it? Yeah. You absolutely can. Yeah. Amazing. But we see what we've gone through, Steve, with what's going going on. It's like uh, in that verse 17, it says, but you are obsessed with whether the godless will be judged. So there's a point of we can get under too big of a burden is like, when are these evil ones going to be judged? And it begins to affect our relationship with God, because hidden right under it is where we begin to criticize our God. And wonder mm-hmm. about our God or just push him aside. It's like, I guess he's left us on our own. We got a little orphan Christianity going around sometimes. And we, and and so he had to tell him, don't worry, judgment and justice will be upheld. And why does he say that? Because he knows who God is. Well, that's why he's defending God, because he's like, you have mischaracterized who he is. You are judging him by your present experience, and you don't know what he's actually trying to do. He is trying to 
lead you away from danger. And there's a danger from an inner venom that he has. And we're going to point out exactly what it is. And he's trying to put you in a wider place and set a table with the best food for you. And the applications all around, whether it's natural, spiritual. So this is it's just the whole dialogue here is so powerful and so relevant to the moment that that we're we're going through. And um, so another way of saying all this is Elihu is magnifying a God that Job has just diminished. And literally, it's only if you read the chapter by chapter the way I did and I did it in two versions. It's like Job diminished God over and over and over, but it sounded truth. I was like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I know. Like what's, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I I found agreement with Job, but he was being diminished. I mean, can you say Johnny in the midst of all of that? And this is speculation. Is God still looking at him as the most righteous man on earth during this time? Or did he slip a few pegs during this time? What would you say? Well, that is the good question yeah. of what exactly was God view. And, yeah. you know, I think the Lord knows he's surfacing a little soul venom that has to be dealt yeah. with. Mm-hmm. And so Elihu is telling him that in a different way. He's like, you are assassinating the character of God. Wow. And you don't know you are, but it's because you've been pressed. And so that is where, where you have, where you have turned on him. And so, um, they had uh, here's just the biggest uh, and I want to read this one in the New King James Version. And this is now we're getting to we're almost to the moment of the of the revelation. And and we want that to be really clear because we're trying to identify why couldn't Job? Why couldn't. So let me back up and say it this way. Why couldn't the Lord just take Job to the double portion before now? Why could he not just give him? twice of everything like he had and give him inheritance for his daughters and restore, you know, why, why, why did he ever have to go through this process? If he's already the most righteous man on the, yeah. the earth, why, why, why couldn't he just, okay, I'm going to double it now. But there's like, there's a reason God couldn't double it. And he couldn't double it because though his actions were righteous, there was something untested and untried inside of him. And this is uh, what's been exposed for many of us, I found it exposed in me during this three, four year period, finding so many, um, so many realities and truths that were um, that made made us distraught. You know, you know that too, well, Steve. You know, saying. and I, I and I just wrote down here, which is my I never like. Well, it sounds like a poem or something. It says Job refused to curse God, but proceeded to blame God. And it's like, oh, I won't curse him. I'll just blame him. And so, and so it says, but at the end it says, in all of this, Job did not curse God. So, but he was probably getting kind of close, you know? Well, and he'll say a couple more things we'll tell about. And you're like, oh, I didn't, because we already pointed out, like, he's like, I, I want to bring my complaint. I need to go to the just, to the judge. I'm not getting justice. And he's not treating me fairly. You know, he's not providing all the things that he's supposed to provide. He's not doing good because he's judging him over a short uh, period of time. He's yeah. judging him while he's literally in the process of trying to upgrade him to the double, to the twice as much. God is literally being good to Job and trying to like looking for an excuse. How do I get Job to twice as much? He's been so righteous. He's been I, so good. I, I thought the context of that, I'm not disagreeing with, but I thought that I'd always been taught that the context is 
Job passed all these tests, and as a result, God says, now I'm going to not only restore you, but I'm going to give you twice as much. I never heard it like what you're saying, that God intended all along to give him twice as much. All along. All along, that was that's the goal from God. But he knew that he couldn't. It's just like there's gold and gold that's been refined. Yeah. Gold is gold. It's good. Yeah. So it's like, Job, you're gold. Um, it, there's actually, Job, there's a scripture uh, um, talks about um, where he says, when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. Yeah. So he knew there's a trying of himself taking place. But just like in the natural, there's a difference between gold and refined gold. And refined gold is another caliber. It's another level. But there is refinement. So the Lord invited Satan to be the refiner in the process, if you want to uh, say that. Yeah, that goes into difficult conversation. We're going to stay out of, uh, I mean, we can get to any time you want, especially as we wrap up the main points we're, we're making here. But I want us to turn to, uh, it's still Elihu, still the final, the youngster uh, speaking to him. And this is such a, a key verse here is uh, Job 37. And like I said, this will be the New King James Version, verses 20, 23. As for the Almighty, we cannot find him. And he really meant we can't imagine him, how he really is. But he said, these, there's, there's four things he says about him. He is excellent in power, in judgment, and abundant justice. He does not oppress. So we want to look at these four things of power, judgment, justice, and oppression. And these are all four things that Job had accused. We didn't read all the verses that say that, but these are all four things that that Job had accused the Lord of being a little bit weakened. You're not excellent in power. You're letting the enemy get away with stuff. Your judgment is to be called into question. Like, why are you allowing this, not doing this? And then it's like, you're not really a God of justice. And and again, there's a rebuilding up of who God actually is that Elihu is, is doing. And he's like, he's excellent power in judgment, in abundant justice, and he does not oppress. So there's a point here where he's telling about the Lord. And see, as long as Job thinks in in the track that he was, he cannot go into the twice as much. Like you cannot be upgraded there as long as you doubt that that's, that's who he is. One of the scriptures here that I wanted us to look at was it, let me see if, Sometimes you have so many scriptures very relevant yeah. to this. I think it's, let me see if it's that one. Well, it's a good one. Anyway. It's verse 8 of chapter 40. Again, I'm reading the NLT. This is now the Lord talking to um, Job. So the Lord's been quiet. The friends have come. Elihu has come. And then the Lord says, okay, stand up, Job. You wanted answers? I'm going to ask you some questions. And then Job, like, uh-oh, I think I've crossed some lines. But verse 8, he says, Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? And that was like, you know, that that's like, ouch. I mean, because that this question is, is uh, you know, I don't want to get off track here, but that God's saying you're condemning me 
That's now he's gone from blaming to condemning. Oh my goodness. And, and so there was, um, there's a verse here. Let's see if I know I have it listed right in front of me. And it says that, are you accusing? Can the one who you accuse of lacking justice actually? Oh, here it is. Job 34, 17. I wanted to not say in my words. I wanted to say it in the words that came, that came out. Um, 34, 17. Let's see what, what version of the Bible says it. Yeah, this is good. NLT is great. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Could God govern if he hated justice? Are you going to condemn? This is, still, this is back to Elihu, the good friend. Yeah. Could God govern if he hated justice? Are you going to condemn the almighty judge? At some point, he just like brass tacks conversation. He confronts what Job has really been saying the whole time. Mm-hmm. That God doesn't God doesn't love justice. He, he is not just. And so he's like, are you saying that he who governs hates justice? So there's like just going. And I feel like there's a part. There's an invitation this year of the open door for all of us to kind of at this time go after these things in our own heart and soul. Because I think there's a lot of little silent murmurings and complainings we've had about God. Things that have been surfaced, I'll call it a venom of the soul that has surfaced through what we've been exposed to, what we've heard, what we've seen. And in some cases, for me, it's not been the personal um, Job-like trials. We've had some in the family. They're always always there. But it's the bigger ones, you know, because you can make it about your personal distresses and things you've gone through. Some of you have, you know, you may have gone bankrupt in these last three or four years or or health issues have been decimated by it, or you lost a loved one. And um, for me, the, the global matters, the devastation of nations and knowing all the children that are being um, done wrong in every kind of way, it's like just to be exposed to story after story after story after story, even when you're not conscious of it, all of a sudden there's a like, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? And then at some point you're just like, okay, He's left us on our, you know, your subconscious is telling you you, he's left us on our own or you're starting to have this. I just don't think he's being just if you're honest enough to be like Job, uh, because Job was, you know, he was praising him and doing all that. But he was also like, I haven't done anything wrong and and you're doing this to me. I've kept. Go ahead. Well, I was in in my case, when I was bedridden for four years, I finally got to the point where I'm going, I'm not going to curse God and I'm not going to quit, but he's clearly in his mind, I've got to learn something. So he's going to, without any compunction, allow me to sit in this until I've learned whatever lesson he's got for me. And I don't know what else to do. I don't think I'm ever going to learn it. And he's not going to stop this on me until I've learned it. You know, so it was, it was, I don't know if I was condemning him or what, but it was kind of condemning him. It is, but it's it's norm. We'll say it's normal, yeah. and it's, and it's part of the process of getting to the next level. If you want to call it breakthrough, but we're just going here the path of twice as much where the Lord wanted to tell take him. Elihu says the Lord is trying to actually upgrade you. Mm. He wants to give you a wide open table, a table that's blessed in that scripture we were we were we were looking, and so. We want to think of this personally for us, we can say for the body of Christ as well. 
It's been testing. The yeah. pain is for the awakening. Mm-hmm. We can say it in that kind of way, and there's all kinds of application for what the awakening is, but it's been painful to awaken. There's a reason some just prefer to, um, you know, dig their heads in the sand and not, you know, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to know this is no, because this, I begin asking existential questions about God. If you tell me that's really what's going on and we've been lied to so bad and there's so many bad things and the, the evil has been ruling the world, the seven mountains, the mafia, the, the cabal, like, oh my, it's like God's been knocked out of, out of the picture. And so we're, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're in inner, um, revolt. We're trying to figure out how to, how to do what we've got to do. And so this is why it's a key moment for us, this Job moment that's being uh, allowed us in the midst of this transition into the twice as much, both at a global level, because we're going to yeah. see, and the twice is not like this has to be like it was for Job exactly uh, twice that he had 7,000. Now he has 4,000, he had 500, now he's a thousand. But it's 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 a double wide place, you know, the double doors, the double open yeah. doors in the in the spirit realm. And so um, this is this is the the lesson um, uh, the lesson for us today. So I'm going to get to um, I want to see if there's one other scripture. I, I, I wanted to read the funniest scripture that Job ever ever had. Okay, here's where he brought that up. Is I think it was. Oh, yeah, it's chapter 19. Back to his complaint. I just have to read it. I have a quirky, if not corny, sense of humor as mm. well. So I have to not let a, 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 <laughs> a dad it. joke. <laughs> it's almost a dad joke. Oh, but I yeah. literally laughed out loud as I was, I was reading this. Job, um, this is his complaints about God, because this, this is why we want to get to this before we get to the breakthrough revelation moment. Chapter 19, verse 1. This is Job speaking. How long will you torture me? How long will you try to crush me with your words? You've already, this is to his friends. Oh, his friends, okay. But he's not much less to God. You've already yes. insulted me 10 times. You should be ashamed of treating me so badly. And, you know, he, he's just, uh, he, then he, he just goes through all the things. Verse 7, I cry out help, but no one answers. Oh, okay, verse 6. But it is God who has wronged me capturing me in his neck. I cry out, help, but no one answers me. I protest, but there is no justice. God has blocked my way so I cannot move. He has plunged my path into darkness. He has stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He has demolished me on every side and I am finished. He has uprooted my hope like a fallen tree. He's now not just saying this happened. He's saying God did it. His fury burns against me. He counts me as an enemy. Again, was it true? Nope. No. No. Elihu, that's why we go back and forth. Elihu said he is trying to upgrade you. His troops advance. Uh, they build up roads to attack me. They camp all around my tent. Like he's just describing all the ways God is attacking him and going after him. 13, my relatives stay far away and my friends have turned against me. My family is gone and my close friends have forgotten me. Like this was rough, rough. My servants and maids consider me a stranger. I am like a foreigner to them. When I call my servant, he doesn't come. This is the one, verse 17. 
my breath is repulsive to my wife. <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh man. He's now yeah, he's got it really bad. <laughs> like he got so bad and he's so sick and he's carrying all these whatever wounds and other things that he, he just, you know, wow. you just have to, have to laugh. He's, he's just going into how bad it is. I mean, he's being very specific. <laughs> I got bad breath and I can't do anything about it. <laughs> my wife keeps telling me I have bad breath. Oh, and, you know, man. Verse 19, my close friends detest me. The young children despise me. I have been reduced to skin and bones and have escaped death by the skin of my teeth. If you want to know where that expression came from, it came from Job. Oh, wow. I have escaped death by the skin of my teeth. Verse 21. Have mercy on me, my friends. Have mercy for the hand of God has struck me. Must you also persecute me like God does? Whoa. Uh-oh. Haven't you chewed me up enough? And, and um, so anyway, so what's the key? What's the key? What's God after? What's the thing that's keeping Job from making the breakthrough? Okay, he says, I heard of you. Now I see you. We addressed that uh, before. And this process is, is just so important for us. And it's really simple. The path of twice as much is guarded by this. When you are pressed, will you accuse God? That's it. Is when you are pressed, will you accuse God? When, you, when the contradiction of what you are going through or the contradiction of what you are seeing, will you accuse God? At that moment, and in accusation, you know, it was more, you know, kind of early on, it was hidden a little more. You know, I just want to question. I just, I just want to question the Lord, and then he got braver and bolder in it. The more his friends would tell him the things he had done wrong, and he's like, "I didn't do that wrong, y'all." And and the Lord told them, says, "You all were wrong. All the things you said he did wrong, he didn't do them wrong. Only life, you is the one that began to restore who who God is." But the thing for us at this time, you have to realize your open door of this year, our open door this year will be blocked by any subconscious or conscious accusation of God that we have. And does he want honesty? Yes. Does he like Job? He wanted Job to honestly tell him all the things. But it was a venom. It was a soul venom that was keeping him from being able to get to the next level. Would it be be fair to say God in his infinite wisdom was drawing this out of Job so he could spit it out and hear himself even say it and get it over, get his accusation done, you know, over and done with something like that? Well, exactly that, uh, Steve. And it seems, and it just hit me and it hits, and it hit me even that, you know, I had if I revisit a certain thing, like we're going to put legs on this thing and I keep bringing it up again. Like you see another picture and story of the human trafficking in the tunnel. Yeah. There's part of it. I want to stay away from there because every time I go there, I have questions about God. Yeah. yeah. And so when pressed, something wants to accuse him and you have to be locked in, dialed in like Elihu. And that's why I'll go back to the four things he specifically made very clear about God. He said, God is excellent in power. He is excellent in judgment. 
He has abundant justice and he does not oppress. So there are there are certain um, truths about who God is that we cannot be shaken off of. And if we're shaken off of, he just can't take us to the next level of blessing because we, we, we have a distorted perspective of who he is. The story of Joseph is of Job is so, but we could say Joseph, that may not have just been a slip there because we saw Joseph in prison yeah. as well. He has these mm-hmm. dreams of ruling and reigning and he's at 17 years old and his brother's bowing to him. And they're like, oh man, who do you think you're going to be? And, and, and so he sees this blessing and ruling and reigning and all that. And then his reality is, you know, he's thrown into a pit and they thought about killing him and he's with the Ishmaelites and then he's in Potiphar's house. So he's a slave. And then she lies about him. And so then he's in prison, but he's running everywhere he goes. He's running things. He's in an ex- doing excellent things. And then he's finally, <clears throat> you know, called before Pharaoh to answer, uh, to answer, interpret a dream. And the only reason he has access to Pharaoh is because he's in prison. His prison path, his path of slavery, his path of Job's troubles is actually the latter to, there's no, the Pharaoh would have no way of finding Joseph if it wasn't the fact that he was in, he wasn't just in any prison. He was a prison where the king's prisoners, those who had defaulted to the king, where they were, the, the butler and the baker were there, and that's where Joseph had interpreted their dreams correctly. And so there was somebody that had uh, access to the king. So the access to the king came from prison, because that's where the other, where, uh, the butler and baker were. Yeah. And so when they're before Pharaoh, they said, well, there's a Hebrew young man who has understanding in all this. And so the, this pathway mm. of, uh, of where, we would, where we would challenge who God is. See, we... Joseph um, was tested in way more ways than we can imagine, but similarly to Job, tested in his view of God. We're always being tested in our view of God, and we're liable to do that. We're likely to do that based on what we're personally experiencing. What we are judging is taking place. Like if you if you processed, just say this, I'm getting this from the Lord even right now. When we... Look back at this moment right now, Steve, in a few years, we're going to go, who knew we were being led through the greatest deliverance, maybe in the history of humanity? Um, Who knew the best story ever told? You know what? I have a feeling we're going to go, you know, right now it seems like God's taking forever. But (laughs) we're going to look back on this and say, do you realize God changed the entire earth in like, three years that's like a breath you know or four years you know i I mean yeah no right right on steve and and really and you already there i can tell the way you started the program man these are you you said most exciting days we've ever been once your spirit picks up what god is doing then you don't obsess and demand justice on your terms as quick as you say yeah. And and then you can be in the Elihu mode and said, listen, wait, justice and judgment are coming because that's who he is. He is excellent in justice. He is excellent in judgment. He is excellent in power. He doesn't lack power. I mean, it's 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 laid out here. The whole earth is his. He rules and reigns over everything that also in other verses in Job, 
it establishes his sovereignty overall and his power. And what happens when we go through contradictions will tend, even in our doctrines, in our theologies, we'll start creating, this has happened in the body of Christ right now, where there are God-diminishing theologies. And it's like, well, you know, he gave us truths and we just have to, we got to rise and shine without him kind of deal. Like we just got to do, God did his part making us. And so we got to do the rest. No, he is, if, if there's a good reason for y'all to, when, when the Lord finally chastises Job says, oh, so you want to come up, you want to go to the courts of heaven and talk to me. Again, we're not, we don't have the time to go there, but there's three or four chapters where the Lord says, okay, I'm going to ask you questions. You know what? He just said, go ahead and read just a couple of verses when he started that. And, and we don't have to go, but it's when the Lord begins, let's say, verse 38. This is important for us. Which chapter? Verse, uh, Job 38. Oh, Job 38. The Lord, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? I think the King James says, who darkeneth counsel. Yeah. Another one. What I I read on what it actually means, who is this that's making statements that literally make you dumber the longer you listen to them? And so it's it's that was funny. Why you say that again? I don't know why that's who is this that is the more arguments he makes, the dumber you become. Like so it's like he's darkening counsel. Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you, you know, a little quid pro quo, and you must answer them. So he's doing this chapter after chapter. I want to be able to, I want to enter in dispute. I want to ask him some things. I need to talk to him. And so God says, I need to talk to you. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And and, and justice, I mean, uh, the Job is like, um, wow. Okay. Who determined its dimensions? Who supports its foundations? Who laid its cornerstone? Where did the light come? Who started the light? And then he goes, the details, he talks about the rain. Who starts to rain? Why does the rain come That What is dew? Who started? How does dew come about? And he goes through such little details. He talks to him about in 39.1. Do you know when the wild goats give birth? And this is important for all of us right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit says, make this point right now. Have you watched as deer are born in the wild? Do you know how many months they carry their young? Because what I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you what I'm telling you as I keep reading a bit of this. You know, you've heard his eyes on the sparrow. We need to hear that message again right now, because what God is telling Job, you think you think of more details than me. You know, Mm -hmm. a little handful of things in your situations. I am in touch and I am overseeing. The most infinitesimal, tiny matters in my planet, and my earth that you have no idea about. I'm not off, you know, because that's the accusation. How can you're saying you rule, you govern, but you don't really know what's going on, and you're not just, and you're not paying attention to things that are taking place. So he talks about uh, verse uh, um, nine: Will the wild oaks consent? The wild ox consent to being tamed? Will it spend the night in your stall? Can you hitch a wild ox to a plow? Uh, he keeps he keeps going. Talks about the ostrich. She lays her eggs on top of the earth, letting them be warmed in the dust. Um, so he talks about all kinds of wild animals and he, even about the um, the ostrich, verse 17, for God has deprived her of wisdom. He has given her no understanding. He's like, I made that animal a little dumber in, in, in some in some ways. That's good. Wow. 
<laughs> have you given the horse its strength? And he talks about the horse clothed this neck with a flowing mane. Did you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Because he's talking about this is the instrument of war that's there. It paws the earth, rejoices in its strength. It charges out to battle. It laughs at fear and is unafraid. It does not run from the sword. It's like I knew there was going to be battles, even though wars know what we wanted. So there's an animal that will help you in your advance, and it will look at spears and blood and sounds, and it will still do. And so you're, it's a God that begins to talk chapter after chapter after chapter and begin to tell how he's everywhere. He's seen everything. He thought of everything. He's fully in charge and he's fully aware and able to execute his plan completely. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. That is a verse I needed to find is like, I think it's right at the end. I think I will find it. And verse 40, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have answers? This is to Job. And, and this is what he's telling us as well. When we're like, yeah, but that little boy, that little girl, that little something is like, we don't know the equation. At some point, there's the humility of we can't see the perspective. In the same way, Job could not see that God was actually out for his good there are things taking place right now, and it's not to people think, yeah, we're not being honest enough if we just get God off the hook. God needs to be off the hook. If you don't get God off the hook, that thing in you that will put him back on the hook will keep you from the double, from the twice as much path. Yeah. That is the key revelation. If you can be pressed to raise an accusation against God, you are not freed up enough to get on that path. And you have to, that's, that's the golden key for the moment, what we're, what we're talking about. And it's just an important, it's really uh, brought a lot of uh, good clarity to me that whatever, um, th- th- you know, there's such a need to do what Elisha did is magnify the Lord. Yeah. And, and when, when everything else is being magnified, when the challenges, when the contradictions, and we all have seen them and had them, yeah. the more you see that, the more important at that moment is, is not to say how you've done everything right, but it's like, you know what? Uh, this is what, if, if we don't understand what God is saying with, with Job, he's like, you know, you're so tiny compared to who I am and what I'm yeah. taking care of yeah. and all the bases I have to cover. You cannot possibly wrap your mind around everything I'm having to do. What he's doing on earth, he's raising up a people. He is uh, growing up sons and daughters, humanity, and free will, those who will be able to be trusted in eternity with him. He is building instruments to be trusted for eternity. Mm. We, we, don't, we, we don't have any insight at all what that's about. So he's looking for those that have, have grown under free will. And yet, so in that free will, you do have the right to do things that you shouldn't do against others, but don't begin to accuse God and say, you don't really care for them. You're not watching out. We're going to find out how active this is. I'm hearing this even now from the Holy Spirit. We're going to find out during these days how active God and the Holy Spirit were behind the scenes, in the tunnels, and everywhere you wanted to know that he was there. We're going to receive testimony how he, how he was how he was there. And it's, but we shouldn't have to wait for, well, well, when, when I see that, then I'll know you can't, you have to know that because that's who he is. He's the God of justice. 
He's the God. Could he govern if he wasn't fully just? Even the aspect of wanting justice, where do we think we got it from? We got it from him, but we need to maintain that in the proper humility of understanding who he is versus who we are. Let me see if I can... um, one more verse, but go ahead and jump in on anything. There well, all... you know, I, I know we don't have time to cover them because there could be sermons on this last part that he, he ends with us that I'll, every time I read it, uh, not that I read Job a lot, but I lived there a lot. But when God is done with four, three or four chapters of saying, where were you when I laid the foundation, you know, for three, he just keeps going on. And, uh, you know, if you're a teenager, you'd go, when will this ever stop? He just keeps saying, where are we? But then at the end, I mean, if I had to boil down Job's response, it's just a few words. Well, I'm going to just shut my mouth. I mean, that was the bottom line. He heard all this. There was no answer to provide. He said, I'm just going to shut my mouth because, and it was a humble shut my mouth. It wasn't like, fine, I'll just shut. No, this was like, oh, you got me, right? It was like. Um, Oh, no, I, know. I, I was gonna just—I was just gonna say that one part about the tunnels and the trafficking. I think I'm hearing you say, even at on some levels, if you can grasp to the degree that he's with the deer and the sparrows, that not one falls without his notice or whatever permission, however it would be, then it has to be true that whatever's going on in these tunnels. He's vastly aware of and apparently vastly overseeing whatever the, I don't know how you would put, we can't use word. We don't have words to say how it works out. It just, that it does work out right in your heart. You have to understand this works out. Oh man. Thank you. Holy spirit for leading me this verse. Absolutely. Steve, this is an answer to what you just said. Chapter 42 verse one, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know and this is this is a great takeaway for us today. I know that you can do everything. That no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. This is a big revelation moment for Job after all this. Um, after all the doubting processing, this is something just think in depth about that for a moment for us. I know that you can do everything. There is a popular little new theology coming up he can't do everything that he's limited to us job had to learn he can do everything no purpose of yours can be withheld from you that whatever he purposes he can pull it off just because he purposed it we want to begin to magnify the god we are serving and to think of him in that kind of way he literally can do everything he can do anything he can do everything and there is no purpose of his that can be withheld from him. If he purposes it, it's going to happen. And he has purposed for there to be an extreme world makeover at this time. Yeah. The end of the world as we know it into another world and it heads towards good things. And, and so that Job follow up had to say, you asked who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Cause that's what, that's that verse three. And that frame, again, that phrase, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? I read this literally mm-hmm. make, means who makes me dumber just by listening to him uh, uh, um, therefore i have uttered what i did not understand i have uttered what i did not understand things too wonderful for me which i did not know listen please and let me speak you said i will question you 
but you shall answer me. I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He could see him. And so the part of seeing his is the immensity of who he is. And he had been magnified. See, that's why you magnify him so you can see him, the size. What you think about God is yeah. the most important thing about you. And God had to be magnified. God had to be back. No, you're always just. You never oppress. You're mighty in power. You can do whatever you want. You are, and you don't, it's, well, well, what about, the, the what about, you like, okay, that's on our side. I don't know. All I know is that is who you are. And that is the key to your open door in 2024. Not to keep, go ahead and revisit as long as you feel like you want to keep doing like Job did. But he will be asking you those type of questions. And at some point you say, you know what? I don't know why that is happening, but I do know you are 100% just. You are 100% powerful. You are 100% able to pull off what you said you're going to be pull off. And that's how you stay in the right standing with him. And that's how you have access. Job did not have access to the twice as much path until he had broken through that. So whatever your open door is in 2024, that is the key to it is you will not, you know, I think I wrote it down this way. You cannot accuse God into your blessing. You cannot doubt him into your blessing. You know, we'll do that with people sometimes. Like, well, you never, you never do this. You didn't like, and you wait for them to do it. That's with God. That's not how it works. You don't doubt your way into a blessing. You don't accuse your way into a blessing. You trust and believe and declare who he is like he likes you into a blessing. And then you get what he wanted to give you anyway is the blessing of now having a heart that has been stripped of the venom of possible accusation against God. So good. So good. You know, as you're, as you're ending this, I'm thinking for some, it was like exactly 40 years ago, almost to the, well, might've been 39, depending on how you count it. We were going through what I would consider a Job experience. All of our friends left of them, all, left us, all of them, all every single one. And uh, my business partner betrayed me, and and the people were accusing us because we left the church of our youth. And you know, it was like, and every day it was this horrific day. But we happened to in a six month period have an apartment where we could actually see. It's actually in San Clemente, California. We could see. The ocean but every day at the end of the day we would just have had another hard day this went on for the whole summer and we would go down to the beach everyone all the californians they'd all gone home because dusk was coming but we lived there so we go out on the beach where the waves are the pretty good waves on the pacific ocean and we just sit there and let the waves crash and big old loud crashes and this the immensity of god with every single crash there you go. Washed over. It happened over and over. That's why I can't wait to get back on the on the <laughs> yeah. beach whenever I can, because it's like, just go to some place where God is magnified. For someone else, it's in the mountains, you know, or a hike. And whatever. For me, it's the crashing waves. That'll do it uh, you know, almost that, more than anything powerful. else. So, yeah. That's powerful, Steve. And, you know, I think it's important for us to remember this, that, you know, this thing where Job said, I repent, I now see you. This wasn't after he'd been blessed. This was on that side. That was still while in contradiction, he realized the lesson. He's like, you know what? I lost my family, my wealth, my friends, my reputation. I lost everything, but none of it's God's fault. 
and God is good and he's powerful. And, you know, any thought that ever came into me before that made me think less of him, that was a lie. And so he just considered it a lesson well learned just to be reestablished on the goodness and greatness of God. And no matter what else is going on, whether he understood the plan or not, and he didn't do that, you know, he didn't do it for the double portion. He he did it just because he's like, it's important that I think rightly of my God. And that's that's what carried him into the, the twice as much. And, and then, you know, in the second half of Job's life, he was blessed much more. And many could have a second half of your life ahead of you. He wants to bless you much more. But he allows us to be tested. He's allowed us to be tested as the earth, the whole earth. He's allowed us to be tested as a nation, allowed us to be tested as families, allowed us to be tested as individuals. And we don't want to waste this testing. We don't want to waste, like, how terrible would it be for Job to go through all that and never have learned that lesson? And, and it, you know, he would have lived a lesser man, died probably. He kept begging the Lord to uh, take him if we read the early chapters He's like, why was I ever born? Why did you allow me to be born? Now, why don't you take me now? And so it, it's it's such a fixer of everything. If we can just realize we cannot doubt who made us. Like the source of good cannot, the source of good, the source of power cannot be thought of as anything other than that. No matter what the contradiction is. And we can ask for understanding on delays on anything, but there there can never never be that uh, you, you know the the accusation. I'm just that's, that's the word I got. The accusation is a venom in our soul mm. that rises against the Lord when we're pressed, when we're in in uh, in the contradiction, and that's the thing that has to be. Job was never. There, here's what the Lord knew about for the last seventy years of Job's life. That guy's never going to question me again. He's never going to question me again, no matter what happens. What a security, security of yeah. relationship God to have a son that he knows is never going to think wrong of him again. Wow. Powerful. Wow. That's huge. That's really huge. Uh, Johnny, why don't you go ahead and pray for the people and just honestly, people just really, the words come to me lining up as if they're lining up to be, prayed over on this issue because it's a struggle with them right now on everything you mentioned, traffic this and children that. So they just, um, it's going into them. Yeah. Just go ahead and pray for those people. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for this truth. Lord, I thank you for how you allowed it to resonate in in a way that it never did uh, before, even for myself as you, in my own, my own journey, Lord, we just thank you for the lessons of, of of the book of Job. And we just thank mm. you for the goodness of who you are, the kindness of who you are, the power of who you are, your heart of justice. And, and Lord, I just pray right now that your sons and daughters that are watching or listening, yeah. I know I can feel that they're being uh, touched and they're being uh, opened up and there's tears even before you at this time. And Thank you, Lord, for allowing there just to be, I just see this wide open door opening for so many. And thank you, Lord, that you're uh, setting the table before so many because of this moment of revelation that they're going to walk through where they're able to get to this place like Job. Lord, there's an invitation. This is the greatest door, perhaps, of 2024, a door of invitation where we enter a place where we never doubt you where we never accuse you, 
We might have questions, but we don't accuse you. We find it ourselves incapable of accusing you because we've had a revelation. Like Job said, I see you now. I didn't just hear, but I see you. You are someone absolutely perfect in every way. And Lord, let the spirit eyes of everyone who's seeing or watching right now be opened in that kind of way. Let this revelation be released, Lord, to all who hear this, who watch yes, it. Sir. This revelation, this ability to see you deep unto deep spirit to spirit, Lord, with spirit eyes now able to see you in the greatness of who you who you are. Lord, this is the season we're in. You have determined great things for us but great things for the nations. You're God of the nations and all nations will come and bow down before you. They will bow down before you, not because you've abused, mm. but like Job, they will bow down before you because your goodness has been released and revealed across the planet. Be a Habakkuk 2.14, the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of yeah. God as the waters cover the sea. This is where you're taking us. This is what you're inviting us to. This is the wide open table with beautiful, delicious things that you have for your sons and daughters. And you ask us, you invite us, Lord, to a breakthrough in relationship. And I thank you. You're releasing that breakthrough in relationship to all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Really good. Very, very rich revelation today, honestly. Not just a written word, but rhema, you know. All right, Johnny, thank you so much. A quick reminder, Eric Metaxas will be with us, but it starts at 10 in the morning Pacific. It's the one exception. We needed to get him in an hour early. He couldn't do it at 11 o'clock. So do not miss us. It's very, very good. He's talking about a message to the church. So uh, it's going to be great. All right, everybody, have a great day. Thanks again, Johnny. God bless you. See you all tomorrow. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.